0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, Reverb, Prohibited by Law. See terms and conditions 18. plus.
1: It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am. Your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life, and of course the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology questions or life situation questions anywhere in the US of A dial eight hundred five two zero one five three four. That's eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Jason, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, Jason. Hello. How can I help you?
2: Yes, um, I have a question uh, regarding the um, existence of evil. Okay. And the definition of the the Christian God. Um, The Christians define God as being omnipotent, uh, omniscient, and omnipotent. Um, So if God's all-powerful and all-knowing and all-good, when he created Lucifer, he knew that Lucifer would rebel and become Satan and be the source of all evil. So in that sense, God is the source of
1: evil. No. um, That is a a faulty dilemma, actually. You're building up an argument-based and coming to a conclusion – in logic, it's called uh, an informal logical fallacy. You're saying A equals B um, equals C, and it doesn't in this case, because what God creates is something perfect, and uh, with the knowledge that perfection uh, can, and in this case will, uh, become imperfect. But it doesn't mean that God created the imperfection. God only creates the possibility of imperfection by creating perfection. So let's start with that first and then go to the all-knowing part. Okay. If If— uh, Evil is a weird thing, uh, Jason. Evil is—it's a privation. It's the absence of something that should be there. Um, it is not—it's not something unto itself. There is no evil thing. You don't step in evil. You don't pour evil into a glass. It's not like that. It is the absence of good. So, in order like to cold. Ha-
2: yes, exa- like cold exactly,
1: exactly, brilliant uh, uh, analogy. Um, cold is not there is no such thing as cold it's only the absence of heat uh, and a lot of people misunderstand that um, it's uh, the lack of heat that creates cold it's not something unto itself that is cold and okay. um, I'll you. so it, this similarly you build a good tree or you build a good car if you have a perfect car it's perfection unto itself yet if uh, if it gets rusted, The rust is a privation. It's eating away at the good. It's not something unto itself. It's breaking down the good. Same with rot on a tree. But you don't have an all-rotted tree anywhere. There's no such thing or an all-rusted something. If it was all rusted, there'd be nothing. So evil can't be a totality unto itself because it actually is a privation. It's taking away from something. So what God did do, and you're correct, is allow the possibility and later— the execution of evil for the greater good. So think of it this way: um, uh, Hitler was a bad guy, right? Did bad things. Yes. Um, and what were what what were some of the bad things that Hitler did? He killed people, right?
2: Yeah, genocide. The Holocaust. Yeah,
1: the ten million people. So to um, to eradicate that evil. Uh, It would be ridiculous to say, well, the best thing to do would be to kill everybody. Then if you kill everybody, no one will ever kill anybody again, right? Okay. So when people ask the question about God and the possibility and the probability of evil, whenever you have good or you have something you shouldn't do, um, you are – actually saying it's better for God not to create at all, which would be the equivalent of somebody killing everybody so no one gets killed again. So what you have is you have the creation of good, which allows for evil as a possibility. As we know now, that possibility uh, became uh, not only a probability, but a reality. And the assumption is that because there is evil... That outweighs the good, and it doesn't because evil itself is not something. So the good still outweighs the bad, and therefore the good is still the better benefit and the better path in the long run than it would be to have not created at all, which is a moral uh, neutrality. It doesn't have any weight. It's not morally better to create nothing because there's nothing. So God creating something— that is good with the possibility of evil that became the actuality of evil is still better because the good will outweigh the evil than it is to create nothing. So even in God's omniscience and non-knowing, all-knowing and all of these things, God still did what was good and ultimately which will be best because this isn't the best world. This is the best path to the best world, which is heaven, um, which will be the ultimate landing place of purification. And just like you would purify metal, it's – this is the heating process to make the dross come to the top that gets scraped off for the purification of metal. So to get to that place of purification, evil has to be at least an option and, as we know now, an actual reality.
2: And I mean because I even – to even like discuss good, to even like, like use the term good, there has to be something to compare it to. It's like a comparative term.
1: Um yes, which is why you so, need God. You need something there is no good or evil without a transcendent, of which you're using as a canon or a measuring read to decide what is good. So good is a is a is a statement that doesn't mean anything if there is no transcendent or God. It's just an agreed right. upon term and therefore no one could judge nineteen forty five Germany because if you get enough people to agree with something, then it becomes right.
2: And so like, in that sense, just in like a like a yin yang type of a thing, like
1: um No, because like, uh evil yin and evil yang is, like, yin and yang are equal and opposite. The devil is not equal and opposite of God any more than rust is equal and opposite of a car. It's not. It's a privation. It's a it's the it's digging away at good. But it's not it's a, trying to erode good. But it's not – yin and yang, that concept is different. That's like day and night or an equality um, of light and darkness, and that's totally different. That's not what well, evil is.
2: Well, I was saying in the sense of just like that there is like goodness in the existence of evil because sort without of. evil, like there, like nothing would be good.
1: Well, no. Without, you can have – no. You character. can have a perfect car with zero rust. You can't have a car that's all rusted. So that's not a true statement. However, what, what is true about that statement, Jason, is that, um, that there are things in this world that would not exist without evil that are good. So, for instance, nobility would not uh, happen or courage would not happen without adversity. Um, firefighters are not heroes without fires. Uh, law enforcement are not heroes without criminals. So, yes, there are things that there are good that is magnified because of the comparison to the privation of evil, most definitely. But you could still have good people without any uh, necessity of evil. Evil is only uh, a necessity now because it exists. And once it's open, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It exists and it will uh, in this world will proliferate. But. Their Good people can still make decisions to do good things, and ultimately God's conclusion is heaven. So God sees the end as well and knows that the end uh, is better than not creating at all and having those people that are good to be in a place that is good um, still supersedes and transcends the bad or the erosion that is taking place here on this earth. Just like uh, a rusted car is better than no car. And it, it's
2: God is the source of all things. Like he's still the source of of the potential even yeah. for there to be rest.
1: Yeah, that's that's very fair to say. God is the source of all things. And therefore, uh, God is the source of the possibility of evil by creating good. It's just like saying um, that your parents are the source of your death. <laughs> I mean, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, that feels good.
1: You know, so oh. it's, it's, yes, there are some things that you can't separate from it, Jason, but the, but in the big scheme of things, it's still better to have you live whatever years you live here. And I, I guarantee your parents would agree better to have a moment with you than to have you never to have z- existed. And, uh, uh, and one day, yes, the laws of thermodynamics state that you are going to break down and simplify and die. So that's a bummer, but. The life that you live is still precious no matter how long. If you lived for one day, it still has value and has value to your parents and to the people that you touched and experienced you, um, even though you will one day die. So regardless of how long you're on this planet, as long as you're doing things uh, that are uh, for the betterment betterment of mankind, you're still adding to it in the good. And that death will be overshadowed by the great things and the legacy that you live behind, hopefully – and have power in that. And so if you were to focus on the death, saying, well, we're all going to die, and my parents just basically created, uh, started my death by giving me birth, then you would miss the beauty of the life in between. And I and I hope that you don't. I hope that you see no, it for
2: I what it is. I definitely don't. I definitely recognize, recognize the light. And um, if we're all heading towards towards heaven, um, if you're going to take the right life, if, if, if God uh, eventually wants... Um, all of us to to live in like this perfect realm um how like, could that be like how could how could there be a place unto itself that that is perfect um, without there being
1: ah comparison? okay so why what like why this then well it goes back to the analogy uh why didn't God just put us in heaven you mean just start there um, and not have the possibility of evil?
2: Well like not just that, but just like just like once like like if heaven exists and, and when we get there, um how can that be sustained uh without there being like any sort of like a a fluctuation like
1: a possibility of like, evil or Okay, um, because we're up against a break, we're going to take this break, but uh, hang tight. I think it's a great question. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your Holy Host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I'm with you every single Sunday. Right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology questions or life situation questions anywhere in the U.S. of A. Dial 800-520-1534. That's 800-520-1534. Uh, we lost Jason. Maybe he misunderstood and uh, or had to go. But uh, very wonderful questions. I love that type of thinking and that pattern of thinking. And he was asking about The concept of evil, the problem of evil, um, talking about uh, heaven. So, as we were chatting about heaven, he asked, "You know, how come there's no fluctuations in heaven? Uh, As uh, you know, how how would it remain uh, stable with goodness?" And the best way to understand that is uh, the finality of a decision, like let's say death. Uh, If you were to die. That is final. There is no do do overs. There's nothing else you can do to to change uh, that experience or that that place. Right. That it is what it is. Same with heaven. Once that decision is made for heaven and unto death, then you are going to experience that for eternity. That's why there's no fluctuation.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It
1: is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy Hope. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I'm with you every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and of course, the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology questions or life situation questions anywhere in the U.S. of A. Dial 800-520-1534. That's 800-520-1534. Jeff, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, Jesus. Hi, Jeff. How can I help you?
2: Okay. Well,
3: what I, um, my question is dealing with road rage and, uh, I do experience it myself. Uh, I've always had it since my, uh, especially when my daughter was born and I was afraid that people that were driving rec- recklessly and, uh, inconsiderately, uh, were endangering my daughter. And, uh, it just make me irate, and but now she's grown up and gone, and uh, so I still deal with this, and you know, I know that uh, I just can't get uh, my mind wrapped around the fact that it's like somebody uh, maybe punching me in the face or, you know, not caring about my safety, and they're just going to go do their thing, so uh, it's not like I can just tell myself, oh, uh, God forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's like somebody, if, if somebody walks you up and, and punches you in the face over and over, you're not going to keep saying, God forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Uh,
1: First of all, Jeff, let's look at, at a few things. Um, are you a perfect driver yourself?
3: Well, no, and and I always consider that when I'm uh, thinking about the situation and trying to uh, 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 you know come up with a solution. I, I say, that's me, I do the same thing. So that's me, but I still get mad.
1: But you realize these issues are deep and have nothing to do with your daughter, have nothing to do with the driver, and have everything to do with you, right?
3: Well, yeah, I realize that at some at some level I'm mad at myself. Uh, therefore, it's easy to get mad at these people, even though I realize I may be doing the same thing that they're doing uh, maybe at, at one level.
1: Yeah, but there's something – this is much deeper. This goes way, way back uh, uh, to you being a kid. I mean, there's –
3: are you saying that every uh, road rager is is has a scenario is that your take
1: yeah well there it's not for the same reason specifically but it's for similar reasons there's there's two things that that are going on with somebody has road rage you're battling with a couple of things one you have horrible time management meaning that you you leave only minutes or seconds to your life
3: that's not it
1: okay I, okay that's that that's one scenario the second okay. scenario is is a self-centered scenario is you'll make excuses as to why, but really it's about um, you feeling like somebody is personally doing this to you. You even use the analogy of someone slapping your face. This person doesn't know you. Now, to be discourteous and to not go with the flow of traffic or understand that there's other people, that's why the wave is so popular. You know, when you see somebody wave in the car, the reason why that tones down anger is, is because the person in the car that starts to get angry is getting angry because they feel that they're invisible. They're not being seen. They not, they're not being cared about, um, that uh, this person is being discourteous. And the minute the wave comes up, it allows it allows you to know, hey, I didn't mean that against you. I made a mistake. I apologize, uh, and everybody's fine. So it really comes from feelings of being discarded or not being important enough or not being visible And those are the only two places that road rage stem from. You can say anything you want to about it, but that's where it comes from. And the Bible actually backs this up in one form or another. The the reality is obviously road rage didn't exist in biblical times, but the concept of rage certainly did. And in James chapter four, verses one through well, we'll go one through three to give you a a, a good sketch, says What is the source of your quarrels or your conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasure that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so you uh, may spend it on your pleasures. And although this is dealing with... um, the lack of humility, it ties very well into road rage because really it's about that at the center of every quarrel or conflict is something that you're battling with on your own, not with someone else. This is something that you're battling with yourself. You want something, you want to be noticed, you want to be thought of a certain way, whatever it is. And when people don't do that, you want to force them to do it. And if they don't see you, you want to force them to see you. If they don't respect you, you want to force them to respect you. And that's not the way to do it. And you have to find out if your time management is on on point and you say that it is, then you have to find out why you feel like you're not being seen and why that bothers you so much.
3: Jesus, is it an internal answer then to uh, come to grips with uh, internally for individuals to come to grips with that, what you were just talking about?
1: Absolutely absolutely and,
3: and, and then it and then stemming from that is is uh the road rage disappears
1: yeah you start it's 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 a process uh and you are not alone jack at all or jeff i'm sorry you're not alone at all you're you're really wrapped up in in something that a lot of people experience uh especially um depending on the region in which you live uh if you're in southern california there's a lot of garbage a lot of people drive horribly there but when it, it, that's one thing. When you start to personalize it, it becomes something else. When you start to take it personally, um, then it becomes something else because they don't know you. And you don't know them. You don't know what they're experiencing. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's, what their day is. Um, if someone in their life is that they love is very sick. You don't know if their child is. Uh, is in need and they are scrambling to get to work and to get home to to take care of their child, you don't know what's going on in their head. So first of all, I think it's good for you to, um, whenever you get to that point of anger, start to, start to build a backstory. I know it's going to be fake. Build a backstory about why that person might be doing it, why you might be doing it if you were in their shoes. But disconnect yourself from it being personal and then the work that you do for yourself, uh, Jeff, is to focus on why why you get this way. And I, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, not to put you on the couch or anything, but I would look at um, your relationship with your father and those types of things, uh, because this is this usually stems from uh, parental connection and the feeling of being not heard or not seen.
3: And that's where maybe it maybe may stem from the basic uh, rage of. Uh, of uh, uh, grow of whatever uh, uh, didn't work out when I was young.
1: Sure, yeah, and you feel like you're still not being heard. Uh, there's a there's a saying, and it's uh, it's simply put that confidence is quiet, insecurity is loud. Oh, I like that. And it really is. When you see confidence, there's something quiet and strong about it, and insecurity is always brash, loud. You know, to look at me, see this. That's just the way it works. So whenever you tend to get loud, uh, people get loud because they think they're not being heard. You get loud when you drive because you think you're not being seen, that no one cares about you. They're driving in front of you. They're, they're putting your child at risk when your child was small. They're putting you at risk. They're putting your family at risk when they put you at risk. Um, you've worked hard to get where you are to pay for your car, and now they're putting that at risk. All those things start building up, and then you you, you explode.
3: And, and and this has to do with that inner uh, peace that you're talking about with the conflict with rage.
1: Yes, and I, I would say that it's a safe bet to say that it uh, came from your youth, not being heard <laughs> or something that you battled with when you were young, but only I'll you can be. Look
3: at, I'll take a look at that, Jesus, because, you know, I tell myself over every time I get, I get into the cycle, uh, the vicious cycle of every time it happens— And I get so upset, it it just really takes me for a loop. And then I tell myself, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then sure enough, I get on the road and somebody will cut me off or, you know, uh, do something that's inconsiderate or unsafe. And and I go and it snaps.
1: The fact is, a bad guy that is filled with rage isn't going to take the time to pick up the phone, to call me, and to question it. Just wouldn't the fact that you question it, the fact that you care so much to talk yourself through all that means that you are a very caring and deep thinking person and, te- and people that are caring and deep thinking, um, tend to get worked up when people aren't caring and don't think through Jesus things.
3: Jesus Just solve the problem. Can thinking through this problem, can it solve it? Or does it have more to do with prayer and thinking or, and even more?
1: Well, all of it, it plays a part, but I think, uh, I think for someone like yourself, uh, talk therapy or um, talking through these things can be very helpful. There's practical application. You have to, um, you know, don't put the weight of the world on you. But, you know, next time you get on the road, say today, uh, no ro- road rage. Uh, when somebody does something, I'm going to explain to myself. I'm going to do build a backstory and say their kid's sick with cancer, heaven forbid, and Uh, and they're rushing to get home to them. Whatever it is to calm you down and to keep you in a a centered place so that you don't do anything stupid is the best thing. Uh, I think that if you can find a good uh, uh, counselor that comes from a healthy perspective, it's not a bad idea to be able to talk these things through. And maybe you can, in the time allowed, you can focus in on pinpointing as to where it stems from and why you respond that way. Um, but I think it's I think it's great that you've pinpointed anything at all and that you say, hey, I don't want this in my life because it can be very dangerous. And it's one of those things that goes from, you know, no pun intended, but zero to 60 uh, in a heartbeat. And then you're looking at some stupid decision. There was you I've can
3: heard about it happening a lot. Jesus.
1: Oh, my gosh. People have pulled out guns. People have, uh, you know, done all kinds of stupid things. My producer, Neil, Beck, when he was. Uh, younger and dumber, uh, would, you know, pull over or or follow people and get really irate and, and all those things, and it just doesn't pay off. It ends up putting you in a bad situation, ends up putting someone else. I've seen people pulled out of cars and thrown onto the street and their head um, just missing within inches a passing car's tire.
3: How's the producer doing with it now?
1: Uh, it's It's pretty much zero. Uh-huh. It's just not worth it.
3: And he worked it out like what you're talking about. Too.
1: Exactly. Just you start looking at, at the reasons that you feel so self-centered and so locked on why the world has to worry about you. And the best thing you can do, believe it or not, is to be the best driver you can be and understand that other people are not always going to be that person. But what it, most people do is they make excuses for why they drive bad and then they get upset when other people do it so be the best driver you can be courteous um you know do the wave smile uh try and be aware of other people that's the best thing you can do and it starts with one individual and then someone else does it and it passes along and that's the best way to do it jeff but you are absolutely on that road my friend again with the puns
4: with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you every Sunday. Answering your questions and talking about the things that matter in life and, of course, the afterlife. Be bold and brave. Go to your phone with your theology question. uh, Dealing with God, religion, spirituality, worldviews, the Bible... Or life situations, obviously, uh, during a time of crisis that's going on. Give me a call, 800-520-1534. That's 800-520-1534. Walt, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show.
4: Uh, Thank you for taking my call,
1: My pleasure. How can I help you?
4: Um, I uh, I don't go to church, uh, but I do watch... uh, a particular show regularly and often the pastor uh, I hear him say um, absent from the body present with the Lord
1: mm-hmm. from Corinthians, uh huh?
4: Yeah, and uh, I I've never been able to get an answer uh, from a minister or a pastor that was um, uh, well acceptable or, or that I understood. Okay, uh, when it came to the resurrection, how? how how do they reconcile i mean if you're and i've read these
1: books how do they reconcile what
4: well um uh, uh, if you're absent from your body and you're present with the lord and and i've read these books where people have died and they've they've seen their uh, uh, relatives and loved ones in heaven they recognize them well how does uh, the resurrection god raises you from the dead okay and and supposedly you go to heaven or you don't if you go to heaven um. You're, but you're already there. I mean, if yes. you're absent from your body, you're already with the Lord.
1: Exactly. Great question, too, Walt. Because yeah, it is. It is a little confounding when when you think about it that way. Uh, not getting into the books that you've read about people who said they've been to heaven and all that. That comes into a separate thing. But let's focus on the the biblical context here. The there are um, depending on the belief. And there are some people that believe uh, that uh, the body is uh, two. Some people that believe that it's three, that the soul and spirit are separate. I won't get into that because that complicates things. Let's look at the more mainstream belief that the body is two. You are flesh, your vessel, and then you are spirit. Okay? Because you at least believe that much, right? Yes. Okay. So the, the... Language is quite specific. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So the belief is, uh, mechanically what's going on, is the spirit instantaneously is in the presence of God. The body stays where the body stays. And not until the resurrection are uh, are they married. And it doesn't mean that you are not recognizable in your spirit form. You absolutely would be. But your body is still in the grave and buried and all of those things and will only be united at the point of resurrection. But to be absent from the body, you're leaving the body, is to be present with God in heaven.
4: With the Lucky Land you can get lucky just about anywhere.